passage, starting from verse 41. And if you don't speak in tongues, please follow in your only tongue, English, <laughs> because I'm going to read it in Romanian, okay? So um, please follow in your version of the Bible you have. Acts 2. Ei stăruiau în învățătura apostolilor, în părtășie, în frângerea pâinii și în rugăciuni. Fiecare suflet era plin de frică, iar prin apostoli se făceau multe minuni și semne. Toți cei ce credeau erau împreună și aveau toate în comun. Își vindeau proprietățile și averile, iar banii îi împărțeau între toți în funcție de cum avea nevoie fiecare. În fiecare zi, continuau să se întâlnească în templu. Sfrângeau pâinea acasă și împărțeau mâncarea cu bucurie și cu inimi sincere. Îl lăudau pe Dumnezeu și aveau parte de bunăvoința întregului popor. Și Domnul adăuga în fiecare zi la numărul lor pe cei ce erau mântuiți. Amen. I don't know how you look at this passage, but for me, I, I can, I, I'm, I'm full of emotions. One, it will be like, it's just, it's just exciting to read about it, and it's just amazing to think about that the promise that God has made to Abraham, and, and just think about it. Centuries after centuries after centuries after centuries, people have been waiting for the fulfillment of this promise. And it finally happens. The Spirit comes. And the promise is fulfilled. Uh, Luke talks about this when he gives us a portion of Paul's, uh, of Peter's uh, message. And in that message, Peter talks about the promise that finally is fulfilled by the coming of the Spirit. But Paul talks about that also in Galatians 3 when he talks about the promise that God, that, that God made to Abraham finally came, and that's the Spirit. So it's amazing to think about years after years after years after years, people waiting for that to happen, and finally, Acts 2 is presenting that. It's amazing. It's amazing because it's, a, it's the birth of a community, but it's, it's the birth of our community. It's, it's the new church. It's the church of, of Christ. It's the church of the Spirit. And in the same time, it's a, I said it's mixed feelings because I read this text, I look around, and I am puzzled, and I, and I ask myself, what's wrong with us? Because... We don't really live the way those guys were living, and we're going to talk about it today. Uh, I like football. I don't know if you like football, and I'm talking about um, um, European football, which is the real football, okay? Okay. You call it soccer. I don't know why you call it soccer. Like, socks, but I don't know. It's just like, uh, we don't play with socks. We play with, you know, shoes. No, anyway. Uh, and... Uh, It's a challenge for me to look at people that love football and to see them, you know, going to the stadium, for example, and just like so 
passionate about it, and they're just looking for, I mean, you know, the, sometimes in the weekends you have the, the games, and you have people expecting and anticipating that game for the whole week. And things become even more intense when the team that you love, you know, it's not in first league anymore, and it goes in the second league, you know, which is a lower league, and, but you're still, you know, you still see people putting even money into that because it's their passion. I mean, I heard, I'm a, I'm a red dog, you know, that's Dinamo in Romania. So, so I, I've seen people basically saying, I am willing to die for Dinamo. Seriously, I, I heard people saying that. And we actually even have a song, and it says, I will be a red dog even if I'm, after I'm going to die. I, and that's what I actually cheer for, Dinamo, because they believe in everlasting life. And, but it's just amazing to see the passion. And, and, and after that, you know, you come to church, you come to your buddies, and you come to your, you know, church, brothers and sisters, and you don't find that excitement anymore, that passion, that willingness to die for, I think, you cannot even compare the cause, you know, between a soccer team and between Christ. And um, I don't know, from the time I, I came to know the Lord, I came from a Greek Orthodox background, and I was so much anticipating, you know, to get to know my brothers and sisters, but I've, I've realized, you know, very fast that people are not that happy, they're not that passionate, they're not that joyful, and I'm talking about people in church. And I always wonder why. What's wrong with us? I mean, you know, you, you read a text like this, and you, you, and you see the passion, and you see the excitement, and you see the joy of, of those people, and... And their, and their excitement to be together, their excitement to go on the streets, their excitement to lose everything for Christ. You know, you, re, you read Heb, Hebrews 10, for example. They, they write, I mean, pretty soon after all of this happened, they started lost, losing homes and properties and families, and they were willing to lose all of that because they loved Christ. And they were so passionate about it. And, you know, you wonder why. Why? What, what's, what's this community that is so special? What, what did they have and why we're not like this? Maybe we should look at a text like this and understand that what they had, maybe we should look for more in our own lives and in our own communities. So we're talking about an uncommon community, which is not really, I call it uncommon because it's uncommon for us, but it should be a normal community. This, what we're going to talk today are the normal characteristics of a, of, a, of a community that belongs to Christ, that has the spirit and has this joy and passion about living for him. Um, how can we live with such an unusual joy, with such an unusual passion, with, with such an unusual desire to lose everything for Christ? So this text that we have in front of us is describing the 3,000 people that came to know the Lord when Peter preached. So when was the last time when you, when you saw 3,000 people 
in one day, you know, coming to know the Lord. I mean, I, I don't know how many of us have seen that, probably none of us, but this is what we read about it, and Luke is giving us an account of that. 3,000 people came to know the Lord. They experienced the, the coming of that promise of the Spirit that brought repentance and faith, 3,000 people. And what Luke is giving us is giving us a description of those 3,000 people that were added to the number of the apostles. So we're, we are talking about new believers. <laughs> we're talking about new people that just experienced, you know, the, 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 the coming of the Spirit in their life, and, and, and this is how they look like. And we, we see three things, I mean, three main things in this text. The first one is the uncommon dedication. So, Luke says that those guys, the 3,000, together with the apostles, they were so devoted, okay? And those 3,000, imagine, they had the Spirit coming on them, God himself, and they received faith, they received repentance, new lives. And when that happened, they didn't just start walking around and say, we have the Spirit of God Himself now, so, you know, we, got, we, we have fresh, fresh revelation. We don't need the apostles. Yeah, they preach to us. We don't need them anymore. We have the Spirit of God. You know, we don't need the Word of God. But you don't see that happening in the text. Actually, when it talks about their devotion, the first thing they were devoted, they were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. It's very interesting because we have a lot of people today in our world that they would, they would, they look at, you know, they would love to see this text sounding a little bit different. Um, you know, some of our contemporaries might have wished it was written like that. And they all began to have all sorts of discoveries and revelation. New and fresh words were spoken through all the disciples of Jesus. But Luke doesn't say that. Luke says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, which was explaining the Old Testament, which was the Scripture. So they devoted themselves to the Word of God. So the coming of the Spirit of God emboldens them First, to devote themselves to the work of God. So you cannot separate the work of the Spirit from the work of God. It's always together. You know, and, and you look at this text and you see the work of the Spirit linked to the work of the Word. So the, the early church, you know, you see them, you know, going back to the Old Testament writings and embracing them and loving them and, 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 and being devoted to them. They were devoted. They were ready to die. And, you know, by God's grace, we saw that experience again and again, even in the history of Christianity. You know, the Reformers, a lot of them died so you and I can have the Word of God in our homes in English and Romanian not in Latin and not in Slavic, like, you know, Eastern Orthodox. They died. So, you know, when I, when I look at this, maybe we're not that joyful and maybe we're not that passionate about God because we're not that devoted to the Word of God. When you look at, 
when you look at those 3,000, they were passionate and they were willing to die because they were devoted to the word of God. And, and, and Luke doesn't end there. He goes, the second one, he says, they were devoted to what? To fellowship. I mean, imagine the, the joy they had to be together. They were so excited to be together every day. They were anticipating, you know, like those football, you know, fans. They are anticipating, you know, the day when they're going to see their, you know, their, the players playing the game. It, it's it's, it's a, a true excitement of the people of God you know, to anticipate the fellowship they can have with their brothers and sisters. Can you imagine a conversation like this between two new converts in Jerusalem? John, I haven't seen you at church for a while. Why aren't you coming to the church anymore? Oh, I do not need to come anymore. I can leave my Christianity alone at home. I even have Bible study every other day with my family. Why should I come to church? So you really don't want to come to church anymore? So uh, how are you going to break the bread? You know, take the Lord's Supper. How, how are you going to do that? Timothy, I can do that. I do not need Peter or James to do that for me. I can break the bread my own. I can give myself the Lord's Supper. I don't need James to do it for me. But what are you going to do with your children if the good Lord will save their soul? Who is going to baptize them? Oh, I'll do it myself. Why not? I am the prophet of the family. I have the spirit of God, and I can do it myself. I don't need James or Peter. I can do it. John, but what are you going to do if you get sick? Who is going to pray for you? Oh, Timothy, Jesus will. I don't need James and Peter to pray for me, to come, you know, and lay hands over me. I have Jesus. He's the mediator. I just, you know, he will pray for me. John, let me ask you one more question. What is your family going to do if you die? Did you think about this? Timothy, the church will help them out. They always do. Can you imagine a conversation like this? You know, reading our text together this morning. Can you imagine a conversation like this? I, I just cannot imagine a conversation like this. But the times that we're living changed. Today, there are so many people calling themselves Christians, but never go to church. And it's sad. How can that be? Sharing in with other believers and loving them will always verify our vertical relationship. How can you say that we love God and rejoice in Him when, when you don't care for those that are called brothers and sisters and you hardly drag your feet to the church? You, you know, you look at those 3,000, they were devoted to the fellowship. They were excited. How did you wake up this morning anticipating, you know, to be at the church? You know, you prepare the whole week, right? You know, yes. Yes, Sunday I'll be with, you know, with my brothers and sisters. I've worked hard this week, but Sunday it's going to be nice. We'll be together. We're going to read the word. We're going to sing. It was wonderful singing. Wonderful. Yeah. Are we anticipating our church, our, our time together like this, or are we like, I got to go to church again? <laughs> I don't know. Can you laugh? <laughs> it was a... We're not doing that. 
you know, but we do want to be a community like this community. So one thing that we should learn from them is to be devoted to the Word of God and to the fellowship of, of being together. Oh, it's so wonderful to be together. I'm, a, I'm, I'm happy that next Sunday we'll be with M28, but in the same time, a part of me is sad that I have to say goodbye to my brothers and sisters from U.S. I love them. It's always so refreshing to be here and love you guys and be loved by you. It's so fun to have brothers and sisters everywhere. It's this fellowship in Christ. It's amazing. And after that, two other things that they were devoted to, it says to remembrance, you know, to the breaking of bread, which was the remembrance of the, of the cross of Christ, the Lord's Supper. There's some other New Testament passages that call it like that, breaking of bread and talking about the Lord's Supper. The gospel of Christ was so central in their meetings. They were devoted to that. They were devoted about remembering about what Christ has done for them. And this last thing, and we pass over it so fast, they were devoted to prayer. But what does it mean to be devoted to prayer in a community setting? It means to know each other. I'm, I'm encouraged by, by all the time by, by my brothers and sisters when I, when I, when I hear them knowing all the, all the sufferings that are happening in the lives of those that are in the community. Um, how, mu how, how much do you know about your, the people that you worship with? Do you know what happened in their, in, in their life this week? How can you pray for them if you don't know what happened? If you don't know them, you, you walk into some churches and, you know, you go to somebody and say, for how long have you been, been coming to this church? And they will say, oh, for two years. How many people do you know? I don't really know. How many names can you tell me? I don't really know. And it's sad. It's sad. We should know each other by name and we should know each other, you know, the, the things that we go through. And that means to be devoted to prayer. That means to be devoted to engaging our lives together. Dear church, why don't we experience the same uncommon joy and excitement and passion? Perhaps we should speak the word of Christ more to each other. Maybe we should have more real fellowship and not just social time. Maybe we should make the gospel more central in our gatherings. Maybe we should pray more. Maybe we should learn to pray more. But don't forget, there is a practical aspect, personal aspect here also, and not, and not just the community aspect. How much do you spend time in the Word? How much time do you spend diving in the Word of God into the, this vast ocean and enjoying it and depending on it? How much time do you expect to be with your brothers and sisters? How dear are they to your heart? How much do you pray for them? How much do you care for them. And, 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 and Luke talks about a second thing after that, an uncommon generosity. So this community is unusual because their generosity is, is just unusual. Um, it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Luke describes their unity here in two ways. They were together, and they had all things in common. 
They were generous in their interaction with each other and with their belongings. What is it harder for you to give money or to give time? Hmm. What I've learned from my American friends is that time means what? Money. <laughs> that was one of the first thing I've learned in 2001 when I came in the States from a pastor. Uh, what, what Luke says here is that they were generous in, in the way they give their time, not just their money. They lived their lives together. Not just that they had their belongings together and you know, they were sharing you know, what God was blessing them one with each other, but they, they, were, they were investing time they, 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 they lived lives together, and it's, it, it's challenging. What this community of faith was practicing was not a primitive form of socialism, okay, but a generosity of heart towards the needs of those that belong to Christ together with them, same body. They were translating, if you want, into actions what Paul would eventually summarize as the need to do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I don't know what you think about helping Ioana and Benny to build a house. And you don't have to tell me. But I know that for a lot of churches around the world, this will be, this will be very weird. How can you put money in a concrete building? That's a waste of money. You should put money in helping, uh, helping uh, orphans and widows around the world. Do you know how many churches put their money in helping widows and orphans around the world and have nothing to do with their brothers and sisters in Christ? most of the churches. I went to churches and asked if they can help our church plant in India. They needed a building. And I almost had no church giving for that. But if I would have go to them and say, there's some orphans in India that we, we want to put some clothes on them. Can you give some money? It will be $20,000 just in a few seconds. Okay, I'm not saying that it's not okay to help orphans and widows. Actually, James says we should do that. But what, P, what Paul says, we should do especially good to those that are brothers and sisters. I am so blessed to see you guys helping Ioana and Benny. So they can do the ministry and they can be involved in the lives of others. <laughs> we put so much money as churches, and I'm telling you because I know the facts, in helping orphans, and I've been involved with orphans. You know how many orphans came to know the Lord in five years involved with them? Zero. 
and we invested a lot of money in that. And was it a waste of time? No, because by God's grace, maybe some of them will be saved. But do you know how many brothers and sisters around the world need us as brothers and sisters to be involved in their lives and help them with their churches and, and maybe put some bread on, 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 on some tables that on, they don't have maybe something to eat. You go into some gypsies communities, brothers and sisters of ours, and they don't have stuff to eat. But we give to orphans and widows that have nothing to do with Christ. They don't know Christ. And the New Testament says we should be especially open to help our brothers and sisters. And after that, if we have resources, we should help the other people. The New Testament is very clear. The way we love each other as a community is going to be a testimony of God's grace towards the world. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I really hope you do. What I'm saying is that we should love our community. Is there somebody in your church that doesn't have a car? Is, 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 is there somebody in your church that maybe needs to have a surgery done and they don't have the money to pay for it? Is there somebody in your church maybe that, you know, a family that has a child and is suffering greatly and they don't know what to do with it because, you know, the, the, the financial burden of it is huge? Yes, but we give it to the world cause, you know, like orphans in Ukraine and finish a war. I think we as community should wake up and understand that we should be generous toward each other. We should love each other. We should care for each other. First of all, brothers and sisters. And after that, if we have the time to, and energy, let's, let's be a blessing to the world. Amen? I, hopefully you can say amen to this, and I hopefully you understand my heart on this. This church, and it's very interesting how, Luke, how Luke does it, he talks about this generosity of heart towards each other, and after that, he starts talking about what they're doing for the world. But it, it especially talks about this participation in the lives of one to another. They're there together. If somebody had more money, it would be present in somebody else's life and, and help the other person. They, they were together. Barnaba had a lot of properties and sold some of them, and after that, brought the money and just brought it to the church so we'll help those that did not have. Because they loved to be together. They loved to be generous. They loved to be one with each other. And after that, it's the uncommon daily testimony, the end of the chapter. You know, you have again breaking of bread. The first breaking of bread, it talks about the Lord's Supper, but I don't think the breaking of bread here talks about the Lord's Supper. I think it talks about something else. It's very interesting how Luke does it. He says, and they were going daily to the temple. What do they, what were they, why were they going to the temple? Why? Were they Jewish people? No, they're Christians. So they, why did they go to the temple if they were not Jewish people? They were Christians. 
They went to the temple because they knew there's some people there worshiping and they, worship, they were worshiping wrong. They needed a Messiah. They needed Jesus who came. So they went to the temple so they will reach to the Jewish people and tell them about the Messiah who came, who is the real temple. <laughs> you don't have to go to that temple. You have to go to the temple, which is Jesus. And they were sharing that. Each day they were going to the temple to share the gospel. And what Luke says, after they were going to the temple, they were going in their homes daily and breaking bread. And I think what Luke is saying is they were going to the temple, sharing the gospel, and when they, uh, they ran onto people that did not have bread and didn't, did not have stuff to eat, they would take them in their homes and break bread with them and, and share bread and share Jesus with them. Why do I come to this conclusion? Because Luke, it says in the end, and, and because of that, God gave them favor towards all people and added many to their numbers. So because of their witness and because of helping those that did not have bread to eat in their homes, God was bringing favor and, and, and you know, people loved them and, and God brought many to himself through what they were doing. But again, do you see that? They were generous with each other in the community because we first of all have to do that. And after that is we go to the world and share Jesus with the world. When was the last time when you had a non-believer in your home? Somebody that doesn't know Christ and you just invited him and said, you know what, I prepared a meal for you. Would you come? I, I want to I share with you about Jesus. This is what this community was doing. It was, they loved. They loved the fact that they can spend their lives in, you know, with, with, uh, with the non-believers. Every day they were going to the place that people were worshiping wrong. And I think every day we should go to places where people worship wrong and just share them the love of Christ. Share, share with them about what the Lord has been doing in our lives. Amen? This is, this is, this is, a, this is an uncommon community one that is devoted, that is 100% for Christ, ready to die, passionate, one that is a, a, a described by, by a generosity that the world does not understand because people love each other and they share their lives with each other and then they all are together. It doesn't matter when you call me. Call me at 1 o'clock in the morning. It's okay, I'm your brother. I'll be there. I'll be there. And after that, this uncommon daily testimony. Why was this, why was this community like this? Why? Because I think they've seen this in Jesus. The Jesus that they, the Jesus that they found or the Jesus that found them, whatever you want to put it, this is what they've learned from Jesus. Jesus was so devoted to the Father that he went to the cross to die. Right? So devoted. Talking about passion, 
That is passion. Ready to die. God himself, so devoted to the Father's will. Talking about generosity, <laughs> Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he became poor so you and I can be rich. Do you know of somebody else more generous than Jesus? No. Jesus was so generous. So that's why the community looked like that, because their Lord, Savior, is generous. And after that, do you know of somebody else that loved the lost more than Jesus? You and I were so lost. And maybe there's some people here that are so lost. And Jesus is the one that daily, daily looks for lost people. And, and that's why I think this community looked like this, because the Savior looks like this. And I think that Grace Hill and M28, by God's grace, can be like this, can look like this because we share the same Savior, amen? And may the Lord help us to be in, in our communities where God has placed us, communities like this, people like this, amen? Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. It, it makes us feel so ashamed that we have been so blessed and that we have everything, and we live so many times like beggars that have nothing. We do have your spirit living in us that applies your word daily to us. Would you help us to live in a way that will show the power of your grace? Help us to be devoted to you and to your word ready to die. Help us to love the fellowship, love our brothers and sisters, be part of their lives. And Lord, there are so many people around us that do not know you. Help us not to be selfish and think about us and our families and, and just lock ourselves in the world. Help us to share what you gave us with them. And Lord, all of this, not for our glory, for our name, but for your glory. Help, for best, for, uh, help um, um, Grace Hill and help M28 to be in the communities you have placed us, churches that will live their lives like this. And, and, and we do need the power of your spirit and the power of your word. Thank you for your grace, and thank you for Jesus. He is our great example of all of this. In his name, wonderful name, I prayed.